Hello and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at play therapy from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to talk about self-disclosure in sessions. And the reason I want to talk about that is because it's not quite play therapy related. And it's not child-centered in the sense that it's the stuff that's happening inside of us and it's our own thoughts and feelings that don't necessarily have anything to do with the child. But I found myself having moments of self-disclosing some things inside of sessions. And when I do that, I have all kinds of rationalizations, right, for why I choose to do that and why I choose to put my own feelings or thoughts into the room when I'm with a child. And to be honest, I don't know where I land on that very clearly. I don't know if I'm deluding myself into feeling like it's a good idea. I don't know if it actually is a good idea and my rationalizations are based in concrete reality and that what is most therapeutic for the child in that moment is for me to self-disclose. Like, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. And perhaps I should just get supervision on it, but instead... I'm going to ramble into this microphone and see if it's a debate that other people have had with themselves as well. So here's a good example of a time when I've decided to not disclose, but I've been close to disclosing. And I'll give an example that's grounded in a child's experience of play. So a child is playing and... They are doing a scene where a father and two children are shopping in a grocery store. And in the grocery store, the father is very mean to the children and yells at them and is quite strict and even has interactions with uh, the salesperson at the store that's not particularly nice either. And the child is playing all of this out and it's the first time they've played out something like this. So it has a little bit of gravity to it. And by gravity, I just mean there's like some tension in the room. And then they pull out of the play space and they turn to me and they say, my dad is mean to me sometimes. Part of me wants to say back to them in this moment that, you know, giving the reflection, but then also saying that like, I don't like that. Like, And in the hopes of maybe helping them stay in touch with this feeling of not liking this, that maybe this is something that my fear is, is that is not able to come up for them very often. But the reason I wouldn't go that far is because in this situation, it feels like the simple reflection of, oh, your dad sometimes isn't very nice to you, or your dad sometimes is mean to you, is enough to meet them in that place to have them be witnessed in that place, a place where potentially they have never been witnessed before. And that that's enough and that that's the whole point. I'm not, I don't need to bring them any further than that. My reasons for self-disclosing are to, are based out of some sort of fear. And that fear is that they'll lose touch with this. Or that fear is that 
Maybe they'll think it's okay to treat people meanly and that they'll do the same thing. But ultimately, being child-centered and trusting the process is the way to go, at least from my perspective in that situation. And me trying to add something else onto that does come out of a place of fear, and I don't ever want to be acting from a place of fear inside of a session because I don't believe that that's trusting of the child to handle their own emotional experience and to move through their own emotional experience. But here's another time where I have a little bit more of a tricky time with not self-disclosing and have self-disclosed some. I find that sometimes in session, children will mention to me scary movies that they've seen or that they have not seen but saw a preview of and it scared them. Or they're not allowed to see it and then this movie becomes an object of fascination for them. Uh, The movie It has come up quite a bit in the sessions that I do. And there are times when children ask me if I've seen the movie that they're discussing. And in general, I haven't seen those movies. I don't like watching scary movies. They don't make me feel very good. And then I end up thinking about the images from those movies after the movie is over, and I don't like having those things living inside of my head. It feels like the world can be a terrible enough place as it is. So there are times when I will feel the desire to communicate to a child that I haven't seen a movie that they're talking about, if they're asking me about it. There are times when I feel the need to communicate that I have chosen to not see this movie because I think it's scary. And I don't like being scared. Or there are things in that movie that might make me feel bad. And I don't like feeling bad. And a lot of times those self-disclosures come from direct questions about these things. But the reason to me why those particular disclosures, if we're just talking about scary movies, is that I don't know how often the child has heard that message. I don't know how often a child has heard about someone who has chosen to not watch those things. At least when I was growing up and there were scary movies and things, it was, you know, like a could be a it could be like a competitive nature between children about having watched or not watched something or having watched something and not been scared. And there's a culture that can build up around it, and that culture can feel like it's built up around it. For one, because people some people like scary movies. I mean, obviously, people keep making them and watching them. And then for two, these movies are forbidden to some people and not for other people. So you can get a level of status or what have you by having seen something that someone's not allowed to watch that didn't scare you. And what I've found with these self-disclosures is that when I've disclosed to children in this way, they'll sometimes disclose more too. They'll sometimes say that they did see a preview, like a when you're watching a YouTube video, they saw a preview for whatever movie, and that that preview scared them, and they didn't like it. Or they'll say that, like, yeah, they're not allowed to watch this movie, and that they can understand that because it would scare them, and they actually might not want to watch it themselves anyway. They have a little bit more space and wiggle room to explore this thing after they've heard somebody else name that they're making a choice to not watch these kind of movies. So then my rationale for self-disclosing in those instances is to provide them with a perspective that perhaps they haven't been provided with before. 
Now, the reason for not self-disclosing in that circumstance is that maybe that disclosure on their part would happen anyway if, like, just, like, naming the different parts of it as they're coming out for them could have some, you know, they might be able to explore it without, say, us as the clinician putting ourselves into the room in that circumstance. But when I'm asked that question directly by a child, like, have you seen the movie It?, there are, I don't know really know what other avenues to go down than to say whether or not I've seen it. I mean, there are other avenues, right? There's like, oh, you're wondering if I've seen this movie or the other kinds of things we say as child-centered play therapists, but that can feel off to me. It can feel like avoiding the question. It can feel like derailing a potential conversation to have with this person to just reflect it back to them. I mean, when I, I assume that when a child is, some children don't ask me questions about my life, and there's no reason why they should. Some children don't ask me questions about my preferences outside of the playroom or the things I do or all of that sort of thing. That stuff just, for some children, just doesn't come up at all. And for other children, it does, right? And there are times when, say, if we're, talking about just what's happening in the playroom and they want us to like insert ourselves in some way into a game or choose something inside of a game like we're going to reflect that back to them or at least I'm going to reflect that back to them all day like that's a boundary and a limit that I've got a hold I want them to be in the room that's how this works it works when they're a person in the room and they're making decisions but when we're talking about Something like, have you seen this movie? And they're asking it directly. It feels like an opportunity to have a conversation about something. And this is a thing that for them is on their minds and they're talking to us about because they want to, because either they, they're interested in our perspective, they're just curious about getting some information about us or about the world. And in that circumstance, the more I'm talking about it, I feel comfortable answering those questions and I feel comfortable letting them know my reasons for doing the things I do because it feels like they want to know to have their own relationship to the world and to discover what that is for themselves. And it's hard for any of us to discover our relationship to the world in isolation. If you only have a limited number of perspectives on something, and one of those perspectives is, I love scary movies, they're awesome, you should see it, you're a wimp for not seeing it, you know, whatever that is. And then the other side is, you're not allowed to watch that movie, it could be nice to have a third perspective, which would be, I'm choosing not to watch that movie for myself. School is another area where I can feel pulled to self-disclose. When a child names that they don't like school or that school is their teacher is mean or that school can be a struggle for them, I can even go a little bit further in my self-disclosure. And I don't know how I feel about it either. Let's see if I land on something by the end of this. So I started this off with the example of a girl saying that her father was mean to her sometimes and just reflecting that back and staying there and holding that and meeting them in that place that they just got to through the play. There are times, and I'm thinking about this right now, probably because school just started back up, when children will say that they don't like school, or that school is boring, or that their teacher is mean. And then I obviously want to let them know that I heard them, let them know that I understand them. Like, oh, you're saying your teacher's mean, and you don't like that. Or saying school is boring, it sounds like you'd rather be doing something else. 
with your time, then go there. Or you're saying that you have to learn this math and you don't like learning math and you don't think it's very useful. So there are ways there to, without self-disclosing, provide a level of empathy without some of those reactions that these children can sometimes get. Well, it's like, well, school is important or school is going to help you do X, Y, and Z or... You know, school helps you be a better person or whatever it is that parents say to convince their children that school is a good idea. But there are moments when I have children in session who are there with me in session because they are struggling in school. They've been given an ADHD diagnosis or what have you, and... Maybe they're not submitting to the standards well. Maybe they're not focusing well. They're doodling during class, and this is determined to be a mental health issue. And so they're brought in to see me to work on their school stuff, and then that's how this whole therapy thing has been framed for them to begin with. In those moments, or in those situations, I do want them to know that I value them and I value their experience, and I value their preferences, and I value their feelings. And I might not put it exactly this way, but that I don't, it doesn't even enter my calculus of thinking about their improvement as a person, whether or not their math grade goes from a D to a B, or an F to an A, or whatever we're talking about. That if they are saying in here that they don't care about math, I'm not going to try to convince them to care about math, and I'm also going to not determine that they're not caring about math is a sign that they have an illness, or a sign that they have some organic issue in their brain that doesn't make them focus, which is why they have to take medication or something. That's not a thing that I care about. I care only about them as a person, and I'm afraid Not that they can't move through their experiences, not that they can't handle their feelings. I believe that they can handle not liking school, but I don't want them to see or feel that I am aligned with these other adults who have an agenda that does not include them as a person, that does not include accepting them as a person. The agenda of the other adults accepts this child as a person if they perform well in school or well enough in school. My agenda is just whether or not they are whole, connected, happy, self-aware, have a self-concept that's grounded in who they are as a person outside of the arenas of academics or wherever else. That's all I care about. And so for that reason, this is my step into self-disclosure, I can name that I also found school boring sometimes. I can name that, yeah, like I also felt like a lot of the things that I learned in school, I wasn't going to use outside of school. I also was curious about the world and curious about different things inside of the world and didn't get to explore that curiosity in the school environment. I can name some of those things depending on the situation, depending on whether it's in line with what the child is saying. And I give them that and maybe I shouldn't right? Like, I, I don't I don't want to claim to be an authority on self-disclosure or on anything, really, right? I'm just uh, giving my perspective for whatever reason I feel pulled to do that, because it is a slippery slope to self-disclose. Obviously, we have the standards we have for a reason in child-centered play therapy. We have the standard of not including our you know, not answering questions and that sort of thing in order to keep the focus on the child and what's happening for the child and what's happening 
in the room and what's happening between us and them in the room and between them and their unconscious inside of the room. That's where the focus needs to be. And yet, and I've only named two, and I'm sure I that there are more if I, you know, really sat down and tried to think of all the times that I have self-disclosed. But there are these times when it feels like, ah, I want to give you this other perspective. And I want to give you this other perspective that's potentially in line with your perspective as a child. And that your perspective isn't crazy and that you're not alone in having it. Which we can do most of the time by reflecting and summarizing and naming and being with. There are other times when for me it can feel like, gosh, maybe every conversation that you've had with your caregivers and teachers and other adults in your life about school has always been trying to convince you that school is more valuable than you find it to be. Has been trying to, when you say school's boring or you don't like it, immediately goes to that's, that, that that perspective isn't important because you need to go to school and you need to do things well in school. And obviously the adults do this because both because hopefully they believe in the things that happen inside of classrooms and they believe then that all of the information that is being provided in schools is important for children and their well-being. And also, they are maybe afraid that if a child does not do well in school, then they won't be able to be a successful person on the planet, and then they won't be able to have all the, you know, financial rewards and status and ability to have career choices that they would like to have later on. There's lots of reasons to try to convince children to like school, but those reasons get in the way of validating their perspective. And I can be afraid that they get that other perspective so often that it is useful for them to have this sort of side perspective from me that's not saying you shouldn't like school. That's not saying that school is a waste of time. Like, I'm not going that far. But it is naming that, ah, your experience of this thing is not limited to just you. And it's not limited just to other children that you know. It's also the perspective of at least one adult. And then the hope is that if they feel validated there, because they may assume at this point that all adults feel similarly if they've heard the same message from all adults. So the hope is that if they know that like, ah, this person, Andrew, felt the same way as I did about this, not only does he hear and understand my feelings, but he's felt that too, and that that can open the door. And in my experience, I believe it has opened the door at times to that child being vulnerable about other things that they have maybe felt like they're not able to talk about with adults because adults won't understand their perspective on it. So yeah, after talking this out, I think I'm in favor of self-disclosure at times. Obviously, we've got to be careful with this. We're not trying to put ourselves into the room. We're not trying to just randomly disclose willy-nilly things about our lives. We're, at least I am still operating under the same umbrella of, yep, I am focused on them. I'm not answering questions. I'm not making choices. I'm the container. I'm holding the container for them, and that doesn't involve me. But as I've said, there are those moments for me, and I, you know, I'd be really curious to hear, you know, for other child therapists who are listening, what those moments are for you when providing that perspective feels good and feels therapeutic and feels like it paves the way to potentially have conversations about things because there are those moments in play where children pop out of it or when they first walk in the room or whenever when they when they do talk 
about their lives. And there are some play therapists I know who have some session, some sections of their session that are play and some sections of their session that are talk. So there's room for talking there too. But for us as child-centered play therapists, I think even those moments of when those talk pieces come up inside of a play session, they're interesting to deal with because it's, an in, it's a different way of interacting and, you know, potentially involves us doing a little bit more, say, in these self-disclosure pieces than simply, you know, reflecting and summarizing what they're saying. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thanks for listening. I've got a book out. It is a part of a planned child-centered book series. It's the first book to be released in that series. It's called On Sharing. I released a podcast about it a little bit ago. Um, it's available on Amazon. As always, reach out to me if you'd like to. Uh, check out my website. It's barnettchildtherapy.com. You can sign up for a newsletter to get updates on new content, whether that's books, podcasts, or other things as they come out. And uh, yeah, see you next time.